So let's pick up today, and we're actually continuing in this series, Worth Sharing. And this is part five of Worth Sharing. We'll go ahead and pick up in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. And Paul writes, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And as we have been sharing over uh, this being the fifth week of this, the gospel is so powerful that it will bring salvation to you if you believe it, if you believe it. And if we think about what the gospel is, it's the good news, it's the announcement of all that Jesus taught, all that Jesus did, all that Jesus is, all that Jesus continues to do. That is the good news for us. And if we believe what Jesus has done for us, as I've shared in, in recent weeks, he's the hero of history, that we were lost and he came and he saved us. And that is the good news, that if you believe that good news, it will bring salvation to you. This is incredible. And I pray that it just swells in your heart that the gospel is so powerful that if you believe it, it will bring salvation to you. Now, salvation, so that we are uh, thinking the same things and catching the, the full power of this, salvation uh, is embodied in a number of things. First of all, I think it's embodied in the fact that you were rescued, that you were rescued. Everybody say rescued. It's important that uh, we realize we needed to be rescued. And what he rescued us from is sin. He rescued us from ourselves. And he rescued us from Satan. And I'm glad that I got rescued. I'm glad that you got rescued. And if you're here today and you're not really sure what that is, you haven't done that before, I pray today would be the day that you receive and, and be rescued. The second thing is that salvation embodies, it, it is us being reconnected to a heavenly father. Sin, the original fall of man, all of that disconnected us from a holy, loving father, a heavenly father, as Jesus revealed him. And so what salvation does, first of all, we got rescued, but now we are connected to a heavenly father. Everybody needs to be connected to a heavenly father. Let's put it down on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Jesus said, don't worry. Repeatedly in, in uh, Matthew 5 and 6, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And, and it wasn't a matter of just saying, stop worrying. He gave us a reason to not worry. And that whole reason to not worry, though everything is going on, has to do with being connected with a Heavenly Father. And trusting a Heavenly Father. And so, to be connected to a Heavenly Father. Rescued, connected to a Heavenly Father. And I like this part, headed to heaven. Headed to heaven. Everybody say, headed to heaven. Headed to and so we're on our way to heaven, and that helps me that when, when it gets a little rough here on this journey, I know eventually where I'm going. You know eventually where we're, we're going. Because this whole shoot and match, the, it will shut down after a while. And then if we die or if we fly, it's going to be wonderful to know I'm headed to heaven. There's a whole lot more than just this life that I can see and feel. And then lastly is help on earth, and, and that is in this life that we had, would have help. Everybody say help. That we would have that help for us day in and day out. Again, that Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday kind of help that we would have. And that is incredible. And that is what salvation uh, embodies and brings to us. And that is worth finding. And that is not just worth finding. That's worth sharing. 
And that is also worth sharing right. And uh, at this point in this uh, series, we have covered that it's worth sharing right. The gospel, and again, get this, the gospel is so powerful that if you believe it, it'll bring salvation to you. And we just talked about that. The gospel is to be both seen and heard. Sometimes we just think that the gospel is to be preached. That's not always, you know, vocal. Um, it is to be seen. I believe this, that, that most people are, are more interested in what you're doing than what you are saying. And if you, how you live your life, what's going on in your life, if that's not completely tracking right, they're not going to hear what you're saying. If it's incongruent with how you live, what you speak, it's the walk and the talk that, that have to be, you know, running together in this. So it is a matter of the gospel being both seen and heard in our lives. I've used this phrase over the previous weeks that we're not just to be a consumer. We're to be an ambassador as a consumer, though. We are a consumer. We are, if I can put it this way, a customer of the gospel. And we should be, first of all, I think a satisfied customer that, you know, I, I'm, I love salvation. I'm glad I have salvation. This pleases, uh, you know, in the fullness of life, the end of life would be that we're satisfied with his salvation, you know, and that's, that's like the ultimate, ultimate goal of this, but we're not just to be the satisfied consumer customer. We are to be a credible ambassador. And the only way we're going to be a credible ambassador that we share this with others is if, in fact, there is what I call mounting evidence of this salvation in our life. There has to be some real deal, obvious mounting evidence on the inside of our life that we have grace and, and the qualities of grace, that we're kind, that we're good, that we're generous, that we're patient, that we have faith, that we're overcomers, that we're positive, uh, and so forth. That there is strength in our life, that there is joy as a core element of the salvation, that that is in our life. And so that, those things are what make us a credible ambassador and then the gospel will be both seen and heard in you and in me and in us. And that certainly would be the goal. In Matthew chapter 9, uh, verse 37 and 38, Jesus uh, traveling with his disciples. And he says this, then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray. Everybody say pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest, notice that phrase, Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into, watch this, his harvest. So I want to read verse 38 again. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I want you to know it's his harvest. And Jesus instructs us to pray, get this, about his harvest. When we talk about harvest and what Jesus is referring to here is not corn and wheat and okra and beans and maters. You know, what, what we're talking about here is people. This is people. This, this refers to the souls of, of people. Uh, James chapter 5, uh, talking about the harvest, uh, refers to them as the precious fruit of the earth. And go back then to what Jesus said in Matthew uh, 9. It's his harvest. And he wants us to pray. He wants us to be engaged in this somehow. So when we think about harvest, we must think about people. We must think about souls. We must think about the precious fruit of the earth. 
And whenever we talk about harvest in, this, in these terms, anytime you hear the word harvest, it refers us back to something. And it refers us back to the laws of sowing and reaping. It refers us back to the laws, uh, get this, of seed time and harvest. Now follow where I'm going with this under the whole idea of worth sharing. Seed time and harvest. Let me talk about seed time and harvest, which incidentally, we don't know fully how that works. We don't fully know how that works. Now, the people that make their living, we're one of the greatest agricultural uh, producers uh, in the world, the United States. You know, we, we grow more corn and wheat and cotton and, and all of these things. People are gardeners. No telling how many, you know, people in the church are gardeners. I'm a retired gardener. Um, that's another story for another time. Um, we don't know how it works. Just north of us, we have the University of Florida, which is renowned for, for all their studies and research in, in agriculture. But even they will tell you, we don't know how it all works. We don't know how it all works. But people bet the farm on this every day, that it does work. And so it's a matter of, I don't know how it works, but I can cooperate with it. I can participate with it. I don't know how my watch works. I don't know completely how my car works, how your microwave works, how your, uh, your iPhone works, or whatever. We don't know how all that works, but we're able to work with it and know that it does work. And the thing about the harvest, and Jesus said, you don't know how this works. It's a God thing. And I want you to get a hold of that. It's a God thing. Everybody say, it's a God thing. In, in Mark chapter 4, verse 26, and he said, Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. Watch this. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. Let me remind you, he himself does not know how, but it's happening. Verse 29, but, but when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And so here's the thing. We don't know how this fully works, but we do know that it does work. And so I want to I fly a banner over this whole thing because it's a God thing. It's a God thing. But God wants us involved in this whole process that brings about a harvest. And what is the harvest again? It's people. It's souls. It's the precious fruit of the earth. It's a God thing. We don't know how all this works. How, how I ended up in the family of God. How you ended up in the family of God. I don't know how all that worked. I don't know how that all got connected. But I am so, so grateful. And it didn't just happen, you know, there wasn't just a flash of light in my room. You know, there were people involved and things involved and time involved and processes and exposures, you know, that, that happened that brought us to a place where finally the grain was ripe. And then we were part of that harvest. That's an awesome thing to me. Now, it's just important concerning the harvest. And this is where I want to hammer today that we just do our part. That I do my part, that you do your part, that we do our part. Let's, um, I, I want to back up on something too. We don't understand how all this works, but we do know that it does work. Let me read you a couple of scriptures here. In Galatians 6, 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. Okay, let's, let's just kind of scooch that apart. Whatever a man sows that he will also reap. And let me just put in parentheses in the middle. But he didn't know how. He didn't know how that happens. But he does know that what I sow, I will also reap. But I don't know how that works. But I can participate in that. 
And then we read in Genesis 8.22 in the New Living, it says, as long as the earth remains, as long as the earth remains, everybody tap your foot, make sure it's still here, it's still here. As long as the earth remains, there will be, get that, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. There will be, as long as the earth remains, there will be. And, and don't just leave that to corn and tobacco or, you know, whatever. This has to do with a, this whole principle, this law of seed time and harvest, of sowing and reaping. There will be planting and harvest. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 through 9, Paul says, I planted. Now let's look at this whole process of participation here. I planted the seed in your hearts. Paul said that. I planted seeds in your hearts. And Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers. That's what we want to be, God's workers. And you are God's field. You are God's building. And notice, Paul, the incredible apostle Paul, he planted... Apollos, who was a, a, also an incredible man and a teacher, he watered, but it was God who gave the increase. It's God who brought about the harvest. And let's, let's follow this. Someone in this harvest process, and this is oversimplification, uh, somebody plants. Somebody plants. Well, how do you plant? Think about this. How do you plant? I think you plant with your life. I think you plant with your love. I think you plant with time, with words, um, actions. That's how we plant. And let's put it in worth sharing with an invitation. With You shared something about what God did for you, for your life, what it means to you, peace that you have. With our life, with our love, with our words, with our actions, I think we plant. And then somebody's got to water. Well, how does, how do you water? I, I think in the same way. I think you water with your, with your life, with your love. I think also that you bring further clarity. You know, there, we won't take the time right now, but there was seed that, that dried up in one of Jesus' parables for lack of moisture. And if you put all that together, the moisture needed is teaching. And what teaching really does, it brings clarity. So I think maybe somebody shares something with somebody, they plant. And then what watering is, maybe they get a little further clarity. Uh, but that happens because you're a credible ambassador. You, your life, your love, you share, you invest, you look people in the eyes, you're kind to people. It's your words, it's your, it's your actions. Um, I heard recently about this, you know, that people were, were ministering to, they're kind of like a golf ball out on the golf course. That, that's kind of their worldview. And what we're doing when we plant and when we water, when we're sharing, we're, we're trying to help them to get to the pin, to the hole. And there's some in the rough and there's some lost in the woods. Do you know anybody lost in the woods? And, and um, there's people out on the green. There's people in a hazard. There's people in a bunker. 
There's some that got a nice lie out there. And, and what we're trying to do, that, that whole planting and watering, is, is we're trying to get them up on the green and, and get them over by the pen and into the whole harvest. And that helped me a little bit that, you know, because sometimes we think, well, I, I told somebody about Jesus and nothing's happened. Well, you know what? There's a process and we don't know how that process works. And some people, myself included, are more hard-headed than other people. And some people are just so ripe and ready. But, you know, maybe that's because a process has already been happening. Somebody's been helping them get down the fairway. And they're up on the greens now. And, and so what are we? We're just fellow workers with God. Some of us are planting. Some of us are watering. Some of us are giving somebody a tap. And as we'll see in a minute, some of you are whacking some folks, you know, to help them get a little further along. And um, in this process, though, somebody plants, somebody waters, and never forget this, but it's God who gives the increase. It's God that brings that about to harvest. And I say all this to encourage all of you to don't be discouraged about people around you that maybe you've been trying to plant, you've been trying to water. But at least, please make sure that you're planting and watering and let God do this work. You don't know where they're at on the greens here. And, and, and so just stay patient. Stay patient and stay consistent. Let your life, your love, and so forth, let those things speak very loud for you. The, the whole deal is we must just do our part. We've just got to do our part. Participating with God. This, this is not, and I'll mention this several times this morning, this is not just a program. This is not just something we're supposed to do. We're actually honored to get to participate with God. You know, and that happened in your life for, for you to come to know God. And that's what we're doing. We're participating with God when we share any of these things. When we invite somebody to church. When we tell somebody about the peace of God we have in our life. When we tell somebody about Jesus, we're participating with God. Here's something that maybe you didn't really think about or didn't know. In the New Testament, every believer, say that's me. Every believer is a minister. In the New Testament, every believer is a minister. Now we have fivefold ministry gifts. You've got those that are in full-time, you know, quote, ministry. I think everybody really should be full-time ministry. Yeah, and, and, in the new, and by that, I don't mean quit your job and, you know, come on staff at the church because, you know, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is if wherever you are, you've got to trust that God puts you there even if it's for a season. And you're not so, supposed to be just pouting, whining, licking your wounds, saying, I wish I was somewhere else. You're, you're to be a minister wherever you are. And we're to be planting and we are to be watering. Can I get an amen out of, out of somebody here? So we just do our part. And in the New Testament, every, every believer is a minister. And we're not just consumers. Remember, we are ambassadors. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 in the New Living, it says this. So we are Christ's ambassadors. There it is. God is making his appeal. Watch this. God is making his appeal through us. Say, that's me. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Or as the New King James, be reconciled to God. We're speaking for Christ. We're speaking for God. Do you get this? We're participating with him. This is not just a Monday night, 730, be here, we're going witnessing. You know, it's a day in and day out kind of thing that we are, God is speaking through us. He's making his appeal through us. Uh, We are his ambassadors. That's an amazing thing to me. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus said this. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So we're not just ambassadors, we're ministers, but we're also fishers. 
were fishers. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now notice, he said, he did not say, follow me and I'll make you comfortable, rich, happy, successful. He said, follow me and, and, and he will bless your life. I believe if you follow him, he will bless your life. That is the blessed life. But he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So Jesus is a fisher and he's wanting to make you a fisher. So if we say that, now just go with me on this. If we say that we're following Jesus and we're not fishing, it, it kind of be like this. If Jesus were flesh and blood, your best buddy, and, and your mom said, where'd you go today? I hung out with Jesus. Well, what'd y'all do? We went to the library. Probably not. Jesus loves to fish so much. If you're hanging out with Jesus, you, you following this? If you hang out with Jesus, he's a what? He's a fisher of men. You follow Jesus, he's going to make you a fisher of men. Amen. And so I think that if in our following of Jesus, we're not fishers, something's wrong with our following. I think there's something that needs to happen in our following so that we become fishers of men. And then understand this too. Our main purpose in life, it's not to build a house, have a family, and make ends meet. Our main purpose in life, honestly, if we look at scripture, is to be a light. It's to be a light in the world. Let's look at a couple of scriptures here. In uh, Matthew chapter four, verse, or 5, rather, verse 14, it says, you, everybody say, that's me, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. What is your light? I think your light is, is that mounting evidence of some salvation and life of God in you. Let your light so shine before men that they may see, not hear, but see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Now, that doesn't preclude you from talking, but I'm telling you the main deal, first of all, is that they would see it. Then Jesus said in John nine, five, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Well, guess what? He's in the, he's in the world now through you. He says, as long as I'm here, I'm the light of the world. Then he says, you're the light of the world and he lives in us. So you and I are the light of the world. And if we are the light of the world, we are to shine. And our main purpose, get this folks, our main purpose, if you're in town, out of town, you know, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, your job, your purpose is to shine. Amen. Well, I'm going fishing today. I'm going to the library today. I'm going on a trip today. I'm going to work today. I'm staying home today. I'm building something today. I'm going shopping today. I'm going zip lining today. Whatever you're doing today, wherever you are, you are to shine. And when we shine, we're also fishers. We're ministers, we're planting, we're watering wherever we go. And it's not out of this obligation thing. We are participating with God and just helping some folks get on, get on the fairway and get on down the green and get them where they're supposed to be. Can I get an amen? amen. The number one most effective form of evangelism, and this is a, it's self-explanatory, is relational, invitational. Say that with me. Relational Invitation. All you have to do is say that a couple times real slow and think about the words, maybe even write it down, and you, you can break the code on that and see what that is. It's relational, invitational. It's, it's some people that I relate to, I have some connection with that I invite them. And the number one way 
to uh, uh, effective form of evangelism is to get folks into church, to invite them into church. Now, ideally, it would be that you and I are, are planting and watering wherever we go, that we're equipped to share with people and bring people into salvation to help them, you know, to pray with them, to lead them ideally. And we're going to be working more and more on that. But that's just not happening across the world. It's just not happening. The number one most effective way right now throughout the whole world is invitational evangelism. Get them to church. Love them enough, invite them, and get them to church. And studies show that 8 out of 10 of those that are unchurched, even if they're de-churched and are unchurched, 8 out of 10 of those are somewhat likely to come if, in fact, you'll just invite them. It's 83%. Now, in Luke chapter 14, Jesus shares a parable. It's the parable of the great feast. And he said, um, the, this great supper, this feast is ready. He said, I want you to go out and, and invite people. So they went out and invited people. Let me just tell you what's going to happen. People are going to have excuses. Okay. Well, I can't come because I just bought some land. I got to go check it out. Well, why'd you buy it if you didn't check it out already? You know, so that, that doesn't, that doesn't hold up. Uh, well, I just, I just bought an ox and I want to make sure that he plows. Cause that's like buying a car and you never test drove it. That's dumb. And third one, I might could understand a little bit. I, I got married. But uh, anyway, um, none of those really hold up. And they came back and they told the master. And the master was actually angry. He said, and let me just paraphrase. He said, that's dumb. He said, so I want you to go out and I want you to invite people. And this is why. He said, I want my house to be full. I want my house to be full. And this is how he told them to go invite them. He said, compel them. Compel them. He said, I want you to go everywhere and I want you to compel them. Now, let's look at this just for a moment here. This word compel, now follow me for a moment here. It means to necessitate. That means to make it necessary for them. Uh, To compel, to constrain, and it actually means to employ force. Now, I'm not espousing that you put people in headlocks, undo duress, you know, some kind of arm twist or something. But there is some force, employ force. The New Living says, urge. The Message Bible says, drag them in. Now, now hang on. And the Amplified Bible says, urge and constrain them to yield. And I think the way this word is, some of these efforts are going to be better received by people you actually are connected to. So if it's a stranger, I don't think you can compel them quite like you can compel somebody you're connected to. And this is what I think it means. You have enough connection with them that you don't have to be shy. And that, you know, if you've ever had a friend or a relative or whatever, and they're messing up their life, come on, they're over in the rough, they're in the trees, they're lost in the weeds or whatever. And, and it's like, what, what are you doing? Or your life is so messed up right now. You know what? You should have enough love. And we'll talk about this in just a moment. There should be enough on the inside of you that you actually are saying, you know what? You need, you need God, man. You need to come. You've got to come with me. I'm going to pick you up. If you don't come, I'm going to call you. I mean, there needs to be a something. Uh, you need to compel them a little bit. And stop being shy when you have the answer. And stop being shy. Don't you want them to have salvation? Don't you want them to get connected with a heavenly father? I mean, it's, a, it's an incredible thing. And we walk around shy about this. And Jesus said through this parable, I want you to, I want you to be a little bit strong about it. If, you, if these are your friends, these are people you really care about, I, I think there comes a place where you say, well, you know what, you, you need church. Sometimes you tell some folks, you know what, you're a mess. 
And I know who can fix it up. And, and again, you don't have to project that you have all the answers, that you have it all together. But you know what? I know where there is some water. I, I know where we can get some help. And, and this is a very, very important thing that we actually are to compel people. So, as ambassadors, as ministers, as fishers, as planters, as uh, waterers, as light in the world, we're to be reaching out to people. And I want you to get this, not at a pressure. You know, I shared a story a few weeks ago, a weeks ago that it was just, we were under pressure and obligation to go witness. And it's not, it's not out of pressure, it's not out of obligation, it's not out of appearances either. And it's not out of a program. And please, never reduce this to a program. You know, because you take the life out of it. And it's not out of meeting quotas. Really what this is about is it's because of the love of God. The love of God that we want to share what we have found. There are people away from God. And I want you to think about this. There are people away from God. And that matters to God. And that should matter to me. And I'm going to put it on you. There are people away from God, and that matters to God, and it should matter to you. It should matter to you. I mean, it, it should, instead of us being so quick to judge or so quick to announce our relief that we're not like them, you know, there should be something. We should live part of this peaceful, uh, joyful life of obedience. We should live always with part of our heart troubled. I think there should always be a little bit of turmoil and distress in our heart over the condition of people's lives. Not that we would judge them. Not that we would, again, you know, celebrate. Well, I'm glad I'm not them. You know, but there should be something in our heart. And I'll tell you what that something is. It's the love of God. The love of God that would be in my heart, in your heart. And again, going back in 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says, For we are Christ's ambassadors. Watch this. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And it's God's love. You know, it's because of God's love. The people are away from God. It matters to God. It should matter to us. Now, let me try to explain something here. This is a little hard to articulate. Follow me carefully. Romans 5, 5, it says that the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So if you're a believer, you have the love of God in you. And I don't think the love of God is is like a whole bunch of different flavors. I think it's this one massive love, all-inclusive love of God. And when he pours... God's love into me, into you, into our hearts. I don't think it's just his love for me. I think it is his love for me to love others with. And I think contained in that love is not just God's love for me, but his love for others. So let me try to say this right. God's love for them in me should move me. I'll try this again. God's love that he's poured, if, if you're a believer, if you've believed this gospel and found this salvation, then God pours his love into you. And in that love is a love for other people. And so I, I hope this is getting across that God's love for them in me moves me. If I just go on my own love, my own love is selfish. But God's love, if I tap into that, if I let that flow in my life, then I realize I'm moved. I, because of God's love for them that's in me, I want them to have salvation. 
I want them to be rescued from sin and self and Satan. I want them to be connected to a heavenly father. I want them to be headed to heaven. I want them to have help on earth. Let that love that he's promised, he's declared, he poured out in our hearts. Let's let that open. Let's open that up, however that works. I want that flowing in my life and in your life because that's the thing that makes the difference. Otherwise, we just try to programize this thing in obligation. You should be sharing. Instead, it should be there's something coming out of the inside that we're participating with God. We're cooperating with God that out of his love, I've got to share. I'm moved concerning these people to just do my part. And that's all I have to do. I, I just have to water. I just have to, I have to plant. I have to whatever. I have to give them a little tap, a little nudge. And if they're a close friend, I mean, get your driver out. Get your three out, you know, and, and let's make this thing happen. Because sometimes we have to do that with people that we dearly, dearly love. You must just do your part. And I guess my question this morning is, will you participate with God? Will you cooperate with God? And the Holy Spirit will help you. We just finished a series on the Holy Spirit, and, and here's a big deal out of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And you will receive power. Everybody say power. You'll receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll act really, really weird. No. You'll receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you'll be witnesses. Not do witnessing, but be witnesses. He will give you power to be that fisher, that ambassador, that planter, that water, whatever it will be. He'll give you the power to do it. And I believe that that power sometimes is just raw courage to do it. You know, I, when I was growing up, we had the rotary dial phones. Some of you remember those. And we still use terminology from, from phones. Hang up, dial. We use it. That all comes back from the phones that we had when I was growing up. But I remember trying to, you know, get up my nerve to call a girl to ask her out. You know, and get down to that last number. All right, I can do it. You know, and, and, and dial again. And, you know, it was just courage. And then you just, okay, here we go. You know, and then, hello. And then you're thankful the phone didn't ring. But, um. We're glad that it did. But the thing is, sometimes we just need courage to step out and do some things. And the Holy Spirit will prepare you. He will help you. He will set things up. Trust his timing. He's, he's working in people's hearts. Um, he'll give you the words. He'll set up a situation. He'll have other people at work. Get the pressure off of us. I've got to save people. You can't save any people. We can't save ourselves, but we can participate with God. That's what this whole thing is worth sharing. It's God speaking through us. God wanting to use us. God, uh, us participating with God in what? In this harvest that we don't understand how this works. But we do know that it does work. And it's a God thing. It's a God thing. And he wants us involved in this. There are people within your reach. There are people within your influence that are unchurched, that are de-churched, that are away from God, that you can touch. And you know what? Just think about this for a moment. Knowing what you know now, having what you have now, salvation. Think about this. If you somehow, knowing and having what you have now, if it was you that was unchurched, that was away from God, wouldn't you just want somebody to do their part, please? And aren't you glad somebody did their part? When you were away from God, when you were unchurched. And that's all this is about, is the laws of harvest at work. That we don't fully know how they work, but we just do our part. And Jesus said, first of all, to pray. Because this is a God thing. It's not a program. It's a God thing. 
And let the love of God for them that's in you move you and compel you to share with them. Because if you share with them, if they hear the gospel, they might believe. They might be ready to believe. And if they believe the gospel, it's powerful enough to bring salvation to them. So that they could be rescued from sin, from self, from Satan. They could be connected to a heavenly father. They could be headed to heaven. And they could have help on earth. That's worth sharing. That's worth finding. And that's worth sharing. Did you get anything at all out of this this morning?